Welcome to Fresh Takes on the Future of Work. We are focused on fresh perspectives from business and HR leaders about the future of work. Fresh is an acronym for freedom, resourcefulness, empathy, simplicity, and happiness. Values core to operating in the future of work. We'll tie back to these while exploring interesting stories and actionable ideas. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jess Pagoni. My pronouns are she, her, and hers, and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Luna, a team operating system for the modern employer, redefining connection and productivity through web-based personal operating profiles combined with AI dashboards. Our guest today is Ginny Lisk. Ginny focuses on helping awesome companies to scale through cultures built on awesome internal communication. She is passionate about productizing people experience, or PX, and absolutely hates being called HR. In her role as VP of People Strategy at ScreenCloud, Ginny oversees all people functions internally and externally. Ginny, thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure. Can you tell us a little bit more about you and your role at ScreenCloud before we jump into the show today? Yeah, absolutely. So I will start with my role at ScreenCloud because actually I think it it sort of is a really uh, nice organic journey into what I'm doing at the moment. So I actually first met the team at ScreenCloud as a consultant to the business and I was helping ScreenCloud on their own sort of people and culture strategy and a roadmap in a sort of, yeah, progressive high growth environment. Normally in that situation, in that consultancy role, the end of that agreement sort of in partnership is replacing yourself with a full-time people person. And I uh, didn't want to give this one away. So I joined full-time and spent a couple of years working on ScreenCloud's internal approach to all things people and culture. Um, we have a use case for our product, which is very much that's in this sort of intersection of companies' internal communication ecosystems and how that internal communication overlaps with driving business outcomes that are inherently people outcomes. So things like engagement, uh, retention, and effective sort of training and enablement, which is, yeah, very much my bag. I'm a sort of people first individual when it comes to my philosophies. And so my role has pivoted recently to be much more externally facing and working within sort of my profession and the people community and talking about specifically digital transformation when it comes to how we communicate and reach and connect employees. Incredible. Thank you for sharing. And all of those themes, connection today and communication, so important, especially as our world of work has been transforming to be more distributed, more hybrid, more remote. So really excited and looking forward to hearing your answers to our questions. So with that, I will transition and we'll kick off with our first question for you today, which might be the hardest one. I don't know. But how do you, Ginny, define the future of work? It is a hard question, and I'm going to 100% dodge it by saying I really don't think that I have <laughs> a sort of silver bullet definition. And in fact, I think that is probably my answer. I'm growing less and less okay with this sort of 
playbook based approach, right? Sort of the playbook for doing excellent. I'm going to say the, the letters HR a few times in this and try not to pull a face when I say it because I do find it difficult. But I don't think there are silver bullets. And actually, what I think is that the definition of the future of work is one where that is the mindset that we actively start to try and avoid as best we can and instead replace that with a much more individualized approach, right? Where we don't treat groups of human beings as, I guess, one cohort to apply a playbook-based approach to, but actually sort of adopt a bit more Zoom ability, right? And kind of zoom out and look at overarching business strategy, but then also zoom in and apply that to individuals in a much more, I guess, compassionate way, really. I think about it every time I get on a plane, which obviously a lot of us didn't do for a couple of years. And I think, yeah, <laughs> recent travel that I've done, you know, when they say, put the oxygen mask on, put your own mask on before you worry about the person sitting next to you. I think like, I think that's an excellent al- analogy, right? And I think the definition of future of work is one where businesses embrace that people doing that and people thinking about the self isn't something that I think even today still gets too much of a negative connotation. Words like entitlement, right, really annoy me. I think if people are able to take care of themselves and be more self-centric, that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? And actually, it's a positive thing when it comes to bringing themselves to work and doing a sort of achieving the most that they can being the best version of themselves starts with themselves. I think tech obviously plays a huge role, right? It is replacing sort of repetitive tasks. But I do believe that there are tasks that, and not even tasks, ways of, I guess, making decisions that technology cannot replace. So I'd also like to see things that have notoriously been called soft skills, right, as opposed to hard skills, starting to be treated as, I don't like that terminology, it it implies they're not core skills if they're soft, right? And I think human skills Things that, you know, this podcast talks about a lot. So things like empathy and compassion and critical thinking and making discretionary choices and applying judgment in the moment, that is going to be, I think, ever increasingly needed in businesses. So I think it's a reframing of what are jobs and what are the skills that people need in those jobs. And starting earlier, um, I think it goes all the way back to school, right, where we give more of a level playing field of importance in application to a broader range of skills. I would love to see education systems be less oriented towards people, you know, essentially being able to do the best at passing the test in front of them and much more about being able to achieve their own potential, whatever that might be. I think that needs to to run alongside this sort of automation and transformation that's going on with tech. No one can see this, but I'm smiling like ear to ear. And Ginny, I want to have a whole separate podcast discussion, or maybe we'll do like a LinkedIn Live or something about this, like, how do we start sooner teaching people and preparing people for what is work and what can it look like and what what could it look like and not what should it look like, but imagining the possibilities and this fluid future of work, if you will. Wonderful perspectives. Yeah. I think that what it should look like piece. Um, Simon Sinek, who's biggest fan over here, just did a podcast talking about 
types of work and people who and ambition right how you define ambition and that actually for some people what good looks like for them is held up against quite an arbitrary measure of high performance or ambition set by people that are not the same as them and shouldn't be and we lump it all together right but even he's like we've got a way to go before people could view someone saying actually I just want to be able to come and do a nine-to-five and not take my work home with me as actually okay (laughs) not a lack of ambition 100% 100% so if I present you with a magic wand and you can change any one thing right now about work and life, kind of that work-life blend, what would it be? I think it would be that what I just sort of alluded to around, I guess it's performance and standards that people are held to and held accountable to feeling arbitrary, right? Like my experience is with sort of generally earlier stage businesses that are trying to get from, you know, a clear route a to B and scale quite quickly or redefine a category or a specific kind of workplace culture. And so, as is the case in all businesses, you talk about a lot about productivity and outcomes and outputs and measuring that. I don't feel that we've got to a point in 2022 where we have a system of measurement that does justice to the individual. So I think instead of things being, and there is a huge part of this that is about inclusivity, right? Some people need reasonable adjustments. Some people need ways of working that that benchmark that's set by your highest performer, according to your company's definition of high performance, um, is something that is actually completely unattainable for some people. And that is just wrong. That's not okay. But equally, I think potential gets sort of lumped into that conversation as well at the individual level, right? Like, the potential you have in this business is set by these three people that have done this work that another group of people deemed to be <laughs> what it looks like. I'm always very resistant to competency frameworks alongside things like, well, terrible once annual performance appraisals, right? Like those competency frameworks are just box ticking exercises that are a way that I think HR people and functions is the best way that they can do it because of the amount of resource that generally speaking these sort of centralized functions have in businesses but it's an arbitrary measure and I think that it is massively demotivating and disengaging it can actually be completely um, sort of disenfranchising for the individual when they think I'm being held to a set of standards that I can't talk to you about and I can't give you feedback on or a sort of very top-down applied thing but also yeah, just don't cater for, let alone enable the potential of, you know, a sort of diverse range of people. Yeah. And I think just piggybacking on what I agree with everything that you have shared. And in some ways, we very much incentivized burnout culture for many, many, many years that just like work longer, longer hours, keep going. What can, how can you do more, 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 more? And you're recognized and rewarded. And I'm guilty of it. I've rewarded people and recognized people for like, you know, kind of giving it 150%. But recognizing that that isn't necessarily healthy or good for the long term or beneficial for the company or for that individual, because ultimately you're going to churn them. They're going to move on. So I like the idea of reimagining how we 
incentivize, reward, recognize, design the work and focus. It sounds like what you're saying is really outcomes, not hours. And like, what's the value people are contributing to the organization in the grand scheme and not the like microscopic day to day? Because you can have a bad day, but you can have a bad week, but that doesn't mean you're going to have a bad year. No, absolutely. We um, at Screen Cloud Maker, we're sort of recognized, I think, for our flexibility when it comes to, in a number of areas, but specifically when it comes to not looking at inputs. Unless you have to, right? Unless it gets to a point where the outputs aren't there, but even then, that should be a compassionate conversation with a person. It should not be telling off. I honestly don't really care (laughs) how or when people work as long as the impact is positive and they're doing what they need to get done in a way that works for them. Like, I don't really understand businesses that don't think that way. Right. I know. It's sort of a head scratcher at this point, at this day and age. Yes. So Jenny, as far as fresh goes, freedom, resourcefulness, empathy, simplicity, and happiness, which area do you see as the most pressing right now as we're looking at the future of work, as we are evaluating the evolving employer-employee dynamic? What do you see as popping to the top? This is a really, really good question. I think that you know, of those specifics, freedom, resourcefulness, empathy, simplicity, and happiness. I think if you focus on any one of them, it doesn't necessarily do justice to the rest of them, right? There, there's an inherent link through all of that. And the, the classic is if you focus on being happy, you'll never be happy because you're also chasing. And what is happiness and how do you define these things? I think that what is the most pressing thing right now and not to keep talking about the pandemic because I think everyone would like to move on. But we sort of came out of that experience with, I think, some recognition of the types of roles that really keep not even, you know, economies, but also communities working and functioning and the freedom that some of us had to be able to carry on working from home really proved in that head office setting that, yeah, potentially there's some particularly sort of old school mindset still at play. But I think more importantly, were the the people that didn't have a choice and had to keep going to work. And I think there was some recognition during the pandemic of that type of work. But ultimately, right now, it feels like quite a lot of it was quite um, performative, I think is the word that I would use, right? So I think really, if I had to pick one, it would be this sort of empathy, empathy driven structures, Um, compassionate leadership. I'm reading a lot at the moment about the increase in unionization in the US among a demographic of the workforce that's typically younger than we will have seen previously sort of joining unions and trying to collectively bargain. And I think that in and of itself tells us an awful lot about the lack of sort of openness and connection and empathy driven approaches that are being taken to really understand that in some of these more, yeah, I guess frontline is the best word that I would use, roles. That experience of work isn't anywhere near the type of experience of work that I think is quite privileged in comparison that a lot of people have when they go and sit in their sort of head office bubbles. So yeah, I think it comes down to empathy really for me and not performative empathy, you know, structurally embedded change. That's the one I would pick. 
It is a good one. Right there in the middle of the word, it is very important, certainly critical. And I, I appreciate your focus on those roles and types of jobs that aren't your typical like desk worker, now what we call our, our knowledge workers, but focusing on how do we have empathy for the people who are at the restaurants that we get to go enjoy meals at? And how do we have empathy for these healthcare workers who have literally pulled us through a pandemic? And yeah, I think a reframing, a reimagining of how we look at those roles is really fascinating. I think it's a huge undertaking, but sort of flipping the even stigmas around some of those roles, I, I think will be critical for just overall success longer term, whatever, you know, whatever that means at the end of the day. But I, I really appreciate your point of view there and, and and for bubbling that up to to really be thinking about different types of roles and not just your typical office type roles. Absolutely. And I think the way that the other words, freedom, resourcefulness, like happiness, the way that they apply to different types of work, I think on the one hand, it's embracing flexibility and that actually what a really healthy relationship with work looks like for one person might mean a slightly more sort of, I don't know, gig-based approach where you have, that is your world of work, but equally embracing that even in those types of industry and sector, people have careers, people have aspirations, people do still, you know, it's not that people who are ambitious and career-minded are all sitting in shiny office buildings, right? Like, so yeah, I think we need to do more to sort of really engage. The headline stat is that 80% of the global workforce is in a deskless role. So this is a, a huge proportion that we're talking about, right? So yeah, I think it's very purposeful work, but you're right. It's not easy. It will take time. and Yeah. So related, good transition, managers, people who lead people at work in whatever capacity that is, what advice, I guess, would you have for them in terms of navigating our now of work, kind of the, the current world that we're in? I think at the most human level, if you sort of boiled it all down and again, trying to avoid silver bullets and playbooks and frameworks that I think don't necessarily always apply, one size doesn't fit all. I think it is about managing expectations. I'm doing a lot of reading at the moment into the link between uncertainty and stress. So just not being informed and not knowing where you stand is such a core driver of anxiety and stress long before potentially even having a what you might call a more overtly stressful experience, a bad day, for example. You know, I think signposting and navigating the business and knowing where to go and what information you need. And in an information gap, being told the reason that there is no update is, right? Like filling gaps, even when you haven't got anything to necessarily update with to just keep communication consistent, I think is so, so important for managers at the moment. People just want to know where they stand. Good, bad, or indifferent, right? Transparency and honesty, I think, is the right approach all the time. What I think that means for managers and certainly what it means for people functions is that managers have to have a certain level of inherent people skill themselves. You know, most sort of, I guess, the, when I did my master's, they called it counts of HR, which is a bit gross. But most of the experiences that people have engaging in the things that we're talking about comes from their manager, not from a centralized function, as it should be, that manager relationship is so important. So I think managers need to want to be good at that sort of thing. And people teams need to be building from an org design perspective, 
and designing roles that inherently have more of that baked in. And I think that that comes from a pressure again around sort of career paths and traditionally management responsibility is the route to seniority within a business. I think being a good manager is such a skill set in and of itself. People should be able to be individual contributors and still have ambitious career paths. It doesn't all need to boil down. So don't put people who aren't managers in managerial jobs right now. Don't do it at all, but definitely don't do it right now. And then enable your managers and get them to a point where they feel able to know what the sort of company line is on at any given stage and to be better communicators themselves. An internal comms department is important, but every single person who updates employees needs to be able to be good at this sort of stuff. So yeah, it comes back to communication, just honest, individual, managing expectations at that individual level. Awesome. So my final question for you today is a company you admire for their fresh cake. There's quite a few individual businesses. And I was thinking about this when I was preparing my thoughts. And ultimately, I think the thing that I'm most excited to be looking at at the moment is, so in the UK, there are businesses, 70 different companies have got together to trial a four-day work week. And I am really interested in that as a piece of research, right? And I'm, I think every single one of those 70 companies that affects over 3,000 employees in the UK that have gone into that experiment, which is 100% pay, no change in pay for 80%, I guess, of the, the days at work, but on the basis that ultimate productivity that's being requested cannot drop. I think it's going to work, like I have a bias and I really hope it does. And I think that sort of structural approach to it is just given that we work five days a week and we have two days off. And then we like, it's time that that sort of, I guess, quite traditional approach gets questioned. And the best way to question it is to run experiments and prove the results of it. So yeah, hats off to every single one of those 70 companies that are doing that. I think it's a really important experiment. Incredible shout out. I could not agree more. The four day work week is coming. And I truly believe that the U.S. has a pilot underway as well. I think that'll wrap. It was a six-month pilot that started, I believe, in April. So I think it's wrapping up soon. And I'm really excited to see the data from that. I did a podcast in the April or May timeframe. So there's an episode on the four-day work week and the history of how we even got to the five-day work week because it has been an evolution. So for everyone listening, make sure you check out the episode on the four-day work week. Ginny, thanks for bringing it back up to all of us and reminding us that that is where the world is going and we need to admire those companies that are going to carry that torch for us. So thank you so much, Ginny, for sharing your perspectives here today. Really incredible to have you on the show. No problem. I've really loved talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you everyone else for listening in. And don't forget to stay fresh. <laughs>